There is power in a union. That's Billy Bragg in Buffalo, New York, supporting Starbucks workers who are trying to unionize. Billy will be in New Zealand next year with shows in Christchurch and Auckland and a three-night stand in Wellington. I was shuffling through Buffalo. Between, um, yeah, I was between, yeah, I was between Troy. I did a gig in Troy, um, which your uh, viewers might not know is just as like a suburb of Albany, right? Um, in Troy, yep, up the Hudson <laughs> Valley. Uh, and I was driving, we were driving from Troy to Toronto, hooking under Lake Ontario. And uh, people at uh, Starbucks in Boston, the, the union members there, realized that we will be passing by. So they invited me if I'd like to come along and play a few songs. And they organized a, a picket line. Uh, right. they're, they're trying to uh, um, get the union into Starbucks. And uh, I stuck around and played some songs for them. It was you know, the sort of, thing, sort of thing Woody did all the time. And it's kind of, right. I, you know, I always like doing that because, you know, Woody Guthrie never did gigs like I do gigs. He never did a thing like I did in Troy the night before where he filled an auditorium, played songs from his most recent album, sold T-shirts. He never did any of that shit. He did that picket line stuff and he did played in schools and he played in, uh, you know, uh, fundraisers. So when I do those things, I think, well, you know, this is me keeping, keeping the faith with the little guy. There you go. I'd love to have a Woody, a Woody Guthrie t-shirt from 1945. That'd be cool. That would be incredible, wouldn't it? <laughs> or, or what would it say on it? This this t-shirt kills this, fascists. Exactly. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Very good. Yeah. yeah well, it's interesting. Uh, me being an American and being, I've lived in New Zealand for about, uh, well, since 94. They're very kind of anti, they're suspicious of unions here. Have you know, do you, are you aware of that? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, politics is quite similar in New Zealand and Australia as it is to the UK in terms of uh, labour unions, labour party. You right. know, when I, when I toured America in the 80s, I often had to explain a little bit about where I was coming from with a song like Power and Union and, you know, find some local example of what I wanted to talk about so that I could riff off of that for the American right. audience. Well, right. I didn't have that problem in Australia and New Zealand. They kind of were aware of the context of what I was talking about when I was talking about the miners' strike, right? About you know uh, the Labour Party, the Tories. So yeah, it's it's similar. Although I have to say, in the UK, they're they're you know we're facing a wave of strikes over here, and they're the the public support for unions is getting stronger. Well, that's good. That's a plus. Better it late is. than never. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, talking about music, I, I think I read somewhere that you're quite the fan of the Carpenters and Karen Carpenter. Is that true? Well, I, I did post about that the other weekend. I saw I caught, caught like I think it was when I just come back from America from that trip you, you mentioned. Yep. It was one of those times when I'm don't know where my body clock is, and I and I found. <laughs> flipping through the channels because I wasn't feeling tired. I found a documentary about Karen Carpenter and it right reminded me how much I I know of their material. Right. Which is a bit of a surprise to me. So I had a, a couple of days taking stuff back and forth to my lockup, li just listening to nothing but the carpenters. And it it kind of bubbled up into a, a Facebook post of kind gotcha. of like a you know a guilty pleasure type thing. Well, definitely guilty. Um, I mean top of the world I, I was old enough to remember it on Top 40 Radio back in the day. Hated the song, and I can sing the whole thing all the way through. Yeah, exactly. That's Because that was one of the questions. What did, what, uh, in, in this thing, the thing that set it off, there's a Guardian uh, column that asks people, what's the first record you ever bought? You know, what, what do you listen to? And one of them is, what song do you 
strangely know all the words to. And I, my answer to that was almost all of the Carpenters' first greatest hits album. Yeah. Because that's what I've been listening to, you know. And they're great songwriters. I mean, you yep. know, um, Rainy Days and Mondays is a brilliant, brilliant song. I would, I would give an arm and a leg to write something like that. Really, really uh -huh. beautiful. I think my favorite was Yesterday Once More. Oh, that's a great song. Yesterday <laughs> Once More. And um, the what's the one with uh, the crazy guitar solo in it? Oh, uh, um, Superstar, is it? Or uh, No, no, no. Goodbye that's to Love. Goodbye to well. Love. Yeah. Goodbye to Love and the mad guitar solo in that. <laughs> Man. <kind> of, I... <laughs> and I think it's something about the, the timbre of Karen's voice as well, that low uh, contralto that she has yep. that makes it really, really special. Not many people go there. Right. You know, now, speaking that, of well, that, I had a recommendation for you. Are you familiar with Weiss Blood? I know, but I did. Re I tell you, a friend of mine has been um, going on about her. Very um, good. Recently. A very Karen Carpenter-ish voice, although there are differences, obviously. She's not yeah. Karen, and she has her own thing going. The album is amazing. just came out like yeah. a couple of weeks ago, so highly recommend it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I'll check so it out. We should talk about you. <laughs> yeah, why not? That's what we're here for. You're you're going to be here in New Zealand. I think the last time you were here was like 2018, and you did like a three night stand at uh, mm. in, here in Auckland at the Hollywood Avondale. I did yeah, that was the first time I really tried out the idea of uh, what I'm going to be doing in Australia mostly, right? Which is this to this sort of three night stand in a in a city in one venue where the first night I play my current touring set. Yep. You know, the, the set I would play if I visited your city. But the second night, I only play songs from my uh, first three albums. And then the third night, I only play songs from my second three albums. So it's a kind of a retrospective thing. And it, it kind of um, came out of an, an experience uh, when I did the uh, Shine a Light tour. And um, they put me a show in Adelaide on a Monday night in a in a big pub called The Gov. Uh, the governor, and it was pissing the rain on a Monday night, and I and I actually hadn't done a solo electric show for a long time. I had to even rent a guitar because I didn't have an electric guitar. <laughs> I had to rent a Telecaster, but they they put it in there for me to give me something to do between Perth and um, Melbourne. Right, and I I I just kind of didn't really have a running order in my head. So when the audience started shouting them out, I started playing the songs, and after about an hour or so of doing this, I was enjoying it so much. That, um, you know, I said to the audience, I don't know if I'm indulging you or you're indulging me. But it kind of like set off the idea of maybe doing um, something like a, a retrospective set. And then I asked, yeah. was asked to do three nights at the, the Horseshoe in uh, Toronto and um, the Horseshoe Tavern. And that's what I did. I set it up that way. And then I finally came and did it at a proper gig. And that time when I came to Auckland. Right. It went a bit. It went a bit over the top, though. I ended up doing like I hadn't quite worked out how many songs to do. I did like a twenty-three song set. I think, or something. Yes, something I believe like it was. Really. We re we reviewed it on my website, and yeah, uh, oh, it was list. fun. It was, but it, it had was the fun. it had the um it had the unfortunate effect of making the audience so excited that they wouldn't go away, and I had to use a very technical um, uh, move to get them to go home at the end, which I don't right. know if you remember on the last night, what I yeah. did after no, I'd done two on calls and they still wouldn't go home. <laughs> well, there's a way, there's a way to get, bring an audience back to where they're like, Oh, cool. That was great. Okay. Thanks. Good night. And, bring and them down to earth. Know, I, don't, I don't need to do it often, but it is very useful. I told a very long 
convoluted joke with a stupid pun of a punchline. And by the end of that, and people <laughs> realized right. what had happened, they were so, I was off stage, I was gone. And they couldn't get that, they can't then get back that <laughs> energy. <laughs> It's a horrible thing to do, but at some point you've got to go home. And so after the you've jokes done three, <laughs> well, no, yeah, not quite. But but it has to be kind of long, and I have to keep. Well, gotcha. you, have to, you have to take them with you, you know. Right. You have to take them with you, right. and eventually well, you come up with a really daft punchline of you're off, and that's yeah, it. And I think like, you're doing this in, so I think you're doing it in Wellington, the three night thing. So that'll be I funny. am, yeah, because what's happened? What has happened is that from that Auckland show, I then developed a, a really. You know, a long year of doing that show. I did a UK tour, I did a European tour, I did an American tour, and I was all ready to come to Australia and New Zealand to do the same in uh, the spring of 2020. And of course, everything went down the tubes. Yep. So I've actually moved on from that format. I've written a new album. I've toured, yep. you know, in America. I've toured in Europe. I've toured the UK with that album. I'm not really in in that mode. And the other shows that I'm doing that aren't in Christchurch will be you know, current album shows. Yep. Yep. But, um, you know, the audience in New Zealand has always been very, very supportive of me. And having sold those shows in that format, I didn't feel it was right to uh, cancel and then resell. I thought people got their tickets. If we postpone and if they're willing to hang on, and I think this will be the fourth, you know, it's been postponed three times. So this is the fourth year they've had to hang on to their tickets. And I think that <laughs> deserves... They deserve to see what they bought the ticket for. It's not right for me to turn right. around and say, oh, I'm past that. I've done that. Yep. I'm on to the next thing. They want to see the three nights. Right. So, you know, that's what I'm doing in Australia. I'm doing the three night thing in Australia. They're all, they're, there's no solo shows in the, or there's a couple of festivals. Right. But right. basically I'm just doing, you know, and the thing about it, which is really nice is you get to stay in one place for five nights, sleep in the same bed. No, there you go. And at my age, at my yeah, age, that's a big plus, you know? Exactly. Because, you know, in a place like Australia, not so much New Zealand because you can pick it up, but, you know, you can spend a week, two weeks in America, certainly fly, play, fly, play, fly, play. You know, at the yep. end of it, you you lose your voice. You don't know where you are. When, when you can slow things down and get more involved in where you are and what you're doing and see the place. And I much prefer that way of touring. Maybe it's my age. Maybe it's just uh, um, it's more copacetic to just the, the general idea of, of traveling around. So that's, I'm quite looking forward to that. Cause I've, cool, cool. You know, I've never been into in um, Wellington in and out, you know, to do a one show. So right, it's right. a little bit of time there. Now, speaking I'm of age, uh, the songs that you're going to be doing on these, especially on these extended things are 40 plus years old now. Have they aged well? Because they were very topical at the time, obviously. They were. And so yeah. are they, do you look at them differently? Do you go, ooh, maybe not? Or, man, I was a genius when I wrote that. No, no, I never, <laughs> I never think that. But some of them do still hit the mark, uh, given the right circumstance. You can't just roll them out willy-nilly. You know, I don't play between the wars every night. But there are um, circumstances in which that really uh, strikes a chord. And and it's you know and I I kind of deploy it. I stopped playing it in the UK because I, I started to worry that people it was allowing people to feel nostalgic for Margaret Thatcher. Right, I, you don't want that. I don't <laughs> want to encourage that. No, no. So I kind of retired it. Uh, but yeah, it comes you know it's on like ideology. You can deploy that. Uh, Power and a Union works all the time. Sure, you know that's a key that's a key song in my set. Yep. Um, uh, but the. You know, the, the the thing about old songs is, you know, 
this land is your land is 80 years old. Yeah. It still resonates with people. And, you know, they, they're only, uh, you know, some of them are, that need tweaking. I tweak um, Great Leap Forward sometimes. You know, I put a little, might put a little more contemporary reference in the outro, you know, when I'm going around the different things at the end. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'm always aware, you know, I've, I've, I've tell you what I have done. I've, um, I've updated the lyrics of sexuality. Oh, okay. To, um, on the grounds that in 2022, it's not a very radical idea for a straight guy like me to go and have a beer with a gay man. Right. Yep. Deal. I think I might have done it myself a few times. Exactly. Of course we have. Of course we. Of course have. I have. But, but but you know but but now we find ourselves in a situation where the trans community, the transgender community, are on the front line, and they're the ones who could deal, I think, with a little bit of uh, allyship from us yep. because that's what sexuality was. Was it was a song of allyship to the to yep. the gay and lesbian community at a time when they were, you know, legislated against by the UK government under incredible pressure because of the AIDS uh, epidemic. So I've I actually a tiny little change. It's just in that first verse where it said, just because you're gay, I won't turn you away. If you stick around, I'm sure we can find some common ground. It now says, just because you're they, I won't turn you away. If you stick oh, around, cool. yep. I'm sure we can find the right pronouns. That's yep, all, yep. just a little tweak. Yep, yep. Uh, but I think it you need to do that. You have to recognize that, you know, it's a great song. I love playing it. People like it. But it, it it was getting a bit rusty in its edge, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. sharpening up again. And with a little bit of, you know, things happened here in the UK and I, that made me think, oh, you know, really, I should be I should be singing about that now. And that song can right. that song can do this. And I've not had a single gay person say to me, oh, you've spoiled our song. Right. Most no, I didn't no, think so. Said, oh, yeah. OK, yeah. I'll see what, you, see what you're getting at there. And you like know. you say, things are happening like they just had this bit mass shooting, another one in the States. Yep. in an lbg whatever uh bar club nightclub five yep. people killed and all that i mean it, yep. and obviously it wasn't an accident where it happened so no. and people no, were going i wonder what the motive on, on the you know on the eve of uh transgender day of remembrance as well right yeah yep. and also when they're having a drag night and as you probably aware, the proud boys and other right-wing yep. organizations have been turning up at drag events armed to intimidate people, you know, I mean, this is part of a ongoing process. And in some ways, you know, the transgender community are, are right in the front line of the, not just sure. the religious right, but the culture wars that we find ourselves increasingly mired in. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, for the same reasons that I wanted to be an ally to the gay and lesbian community in the eighties is the same reason why I try now to be a, an ally to the transgender and non-binary communities in, uh, in the present day. Obviously it's a lot, more um vehement now because of social media it's yep. a lot more nasty but uh still has to be done because right. i think i think i feel i would not be being true to that song right and sort of and to the principle that led me to be an ally or try to be an ally to the gays and lesbians back then if i sidestepped and said well you know this is nothing to do with me you know this is all too complicated and yeah trust me it really really is complicated very yep. complicated very nuanced um, if I stepped away from it, I would feel I was betraying that uh, principle that I first that first brought me to support the gay and lesbian community. Yeah. Now, your most recent album is The Million Things That Never Happened. And I'm curious, when you set about to decide that you need to make a new album, is it because you feel you have something to say, you need to address something, or is it time to make a new album? Does Are there different reasons that you make different albums? Time is an element. That's definitely true. 
time is an element. But really, with, with regard to this album, it was in the middle of um, lockdown, really when the second lockdown came. Right. And that left me, the first lockdown, I kind of got to grips with putting stuff on on the internet. In fact, I was right. more busy in the first yeah, lockdown right. than I've been for years. It was like having an album out again in the 1980s. I was doing stuff every day, you know. Yeah. But I realised that couldn't continue. So when the second lockdown came in, I was a bit like, whoa, you know, how long is this going to go on? I need to... I need to, you know, it knocked me sideways a bit. So I thought I need something to focus on. So I thought I really should try to make an album. And I hadn't really, I had intended in 2020 to to try songs out in sound checks. That's how I make a record. I, I mess around with ideas and sound checks and tape it all and then take it away and log, sort of woodshed it and work out from that how the album goes. But I hadn't had, uh, because there was no gigs, I couldn't do that. So I literally had to start with a blank sheet of paper and sit down and write down a load of, ideas and take it from there which is an interesting way to do it i've not done it that way before and mm. then i couldn't go to the studio because of the third lockdown so i had to kind of send the demos and wait and see what the guys sent back to producers but fortunately i'd asked them to uh involve with me because i like their arranging ideas so probably good that i wasn't there because they went where they thought and they sent to me and i was like oh actually this is cool maybe if i'd right. been there i'd have been frowning in the background and i'd have right right put that fifth mellotron on the <laughs> on the chorus or something so it's probably worked well yeah yeah so musically do you still look at new music or look for new music do you kind of are you interested in what's going on yeah, around i am i am i mean there's a guy there's a guy in the uk called jamie webster okay who's a liverpudlian no. and he began playing at uh football grounds at football um fan parks you know what a fan park is yeah he started playing at fan parks with liverpool when they went on tour Right. And he kind of started writing about his experience as a working class guy. He was an electrician. That's what his job was. And he started playing these and started writing, not just not about football, but about his sense of belonging in Liverpool. He has this great song called My Place, which is really about, ostensibly it's about Liverpool, but it's really about wherever it is that you're from and what you love. And it, and it finishes off by him singing repeatedly, uh, my people, my city, my heart. Mm. And he's kind of he's kind of now started, he's now recognised that the solidarity that he gets from football that he loves also applies in other places as well because he turned up on the picket line for the Liverpool Dockers about a month or two ago, which was really, really great. And, uh, you know, that for him to make that connection, I think is really amazing. He's a good working-class lad and he has an audience who realize what he's doing because one of the things he does uh is he uh goes to his audience da 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 da, da and they all chant fuck the tories da 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 da, da. <laughs> fuck the tories and i was with him at the weekend in liverpool and he played the mns bank arena to 11,000 people and they did that 11,000 liverpoolians <laughs> chanting fuck the tories and the only other person who's filled that arena was another nice liverpool lad paul mccartney oh yeah i remember him yeah, he's not that big outside of Liverpool. He's right. you know he's more playing theatres. I mean, Jamie, you know he's not <laughs> he's not massive. But what he's what he did at the weekend, and he invited me to come along and get up and sing with him uh, a song called of mine called "Never by the Sun," the chorus of which is "Scousers Never by the Sun." It's about the Liverpool people boycotting Rupert Murdoch's paper because of the lies they printed over the Hillsborough disaster. Right. And he invited me. He made that connection. With what he's doing, with what I'm doing. So, although he's not ideological like me, it's a much more about 
the, the politics of empathy and the politics of solidarity and the and social solidarity rather than emotional solidarity rather than political solidarity it's really really interesting so i i you know i was just amazed to be uh to hang out with him and to see what's going on right 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 all right we're getting close to our ending time just mm, yeah you know, you're you're i think your next gig maybe in a couple of days in swansea or something you're still are you still touring with um uh paul heaton and that is that what it that starts. is it begins. Oh, it oh begins. begins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the first show on Swansea in uh, on Saturday night, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. Paul's audience has always been uh, a really good audience for me. I did some uh, what we call sheds uh, gigs in a park with him a uh, couple of years back, and we had a great time. And we come from a similar place, me and Paul. You know, the house yeah. minds were on go disc with me. I've always right. admired his songwriting. He's got that knack of getting finding an interesting perspective on relationships, and he, and there's politics in there as well. So we're a good match. Cool. All right. Well, can't wait to see you when you get that back down here to New Zealand. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, you know, I felt really um, frustrated about the gigs getting cancelled. Yeah. Uh, but um, I'm hoping that um, I'll be able to, from the time I've got over there, I'll be able to get around a little bit and um, maybe reconnect with the audience down there. It seems like a long time since I was last yeah. there. Yep. It wasn't, it's not really a long time, but it's a long time in brag years. Cause I try yeah, well, and, it's you know, a long time and it, it feels long in everybody's years because of yeah. what happened in, in, in the interim. Yeah. I mean, the other day, the killers came to Auckland. They'd been here, you know, but they did a big gig at the big stadium that holds 12,000 people. They decided at the last minute to do another gig the same night in a, like a smaller, like 2000 yeah. or just, and everybody went the to vibe. Yeah. 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 Of course, because we just we just love playing. You know, yeah. that's the great thing about coming back. We love playing. When I came last uh, year, my UK tour, um, the first show was uh, in a little uh, uh, bar in Dundee, which was fine. You know, it's about 500, 600, really nice. But the second one was Saturday night in the Glasgow Barrowlands. And I don't know if it was me it was pleased to be back or the, the audience maybe had not been to a gig either, but it was an incredible night. It really was. I played seven songs more than I was supposed to. I had that Auckland vibe. I didn't have to <laughs> tell them the stupid jokes. I didn't quite have to do that, but, <laughs> but it was one of those nights where you come off like, I didn't know whether I'd done the best gig of, uh, you know, this, this decade or hosted the biggest super spreader event in Glasgow gotcha. uh, because it was just at the beginning, you know, people were still wearing masks and stuff. Right. Right. But, uh, but fortunately I managed to do a tour in between the end of the alpha uh, uh, strain and the beginning of the Omega. Somehow I just managed to squeeze it in. Put it in there. So please tell your <laughs> listeners and your readers that I've had my most recent vaccination. Okay. Uh, yep. I've, had my, I've had my flu You're jab. All vaxxed and ready oh, to go. All vaxxed. I've got it. When I get to customs, I've got it on my phone, my NHS app. So yep. I'm really looking forward to uh, to getting there. I'm bringing a keyboard player. It's me and a keyboard player. And that's worked really well with the new stuff and with the old stuff uh, touring around the UK. So I'm really confident that um, I'm going to have a, a great time, you know, bringing my weird perspective of the world to uh, to the Kiwis. Excellent. We're looking forward to it. Thank you so much for spending time talking to me. Not at all. Thank you. And uh, uh, let's uh, we'll see you in the new year. You will indeed. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks bye a bye. lot, Marty. Cheers. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>